Mr. Quint, there are no life jackets in the Jaws Obsession. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you for visiting us again here on the Jaws Obsession, where our quest is very simple. We are here to share with you, prove to you, convince you, or remind you that Jaws is the greatest movie of all time. And thank you very much. We are back for another episode, episode 24. Are there any clues in Jaws that would help us pinpoint how old Captain Quint is? Also, would those clues help us find out some details about Quint's childhood and maybe what region of the world he might have grown up in? One of the highlights I want to get to first is to say a big thank you to you, the listener. Who, hit, who is tuning back in to listen to this broadcast over at listennotes.com, which is an aggregate site that compiles details on over 135 million podcast episodes. There is over 2.8 million podcasts out there. And uh, the Jaws Obsession, we just, uh, with the last episode, episode 23, the uh, USS Indianapolis episode on Memorial Day, we were given the global rank of top 10%. So, so the Jaws Obsession has reached to the top 10% of all podcasts around the world, and it is all thanks to you, the listener, and for you helping us push the show out and talking about it and keep coming back and listening to these episodes. And I can't thank you enough for that because our strength is in numbers here. That is very exciting to see that we've reached the top 10% with just 23 episodes out. We are a relatively new broadcast and everybody is really engaged. So what I wanted to do was celebrate that a little bit by getting to some of the listener emails that I have been wanting to get to over the last few months, but I have not been able to because of some of these episodes got very involved. And then of course, with the book of Quint, announcement and all the details with that, there was a lot to get to. So 
I kept pushing it off, pushing it off. So this is a good time um, to highlight some of the um, some of the nice letters and compliments we've been getting. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody. I try to respond to everybody in a timely fashion. Let's just jump right into some of these. We have David L. wrote in, Hi, Ryan. I love the podcast. Your attention to detail is amazing. I also really love the first chapter of the book. I'm spreading the word about the podcast and book to friends and family. Best of luck with everything, Dave. Well, thank you, Dave. Thank you for writing in and that compliment. And um, Dave uh, was able to l- read the first chapter to the Book of Quint that we have online over at bookofquint.com, jawsob.com. That's where he saw that. And he's actually doing his part, spreading the word about the broadcast here, about the Jaws Obsession to and, and the book to friends and family. See, the thing here over on the Jaws Obsession is we don't really have a big social media presence. That might be a flaw of mine. It's just that I don't have the time to get on the social media and start pounding the pavement. Aside from my career and then with the uh, writing of the book and then of course this broadcast, there's not much time to shake the trees, uh, the, the social media trees to see what we can find there. So I'm asking all of you to help me out with that. And Dave is very kind to step up and help me out with that. Thank you, Dave. Let's continue on here. We have Vinny from Indiana writes in, enjoying the podcast, Ryan. In episode 12, you repeatedly claim that one can stay underwater longer with nitrox. This is not the case. One's breathing rate does not change. Therefore, there is no more available air than in a standard air-filled tank. The only thing nitrox helps with is the reduction in the amount of time one needs to surface if compared to standard air mix. If by longer and deeper, you simply mean that one can stay a few more minutes before rising, then okay, but it should be distinguished. Total dive time is the same whether air or nitrox. And Vinny, thank you very much for writing in. I I really like when we have listeners that dive right in and, and give good positive critiques like this because... Uh, Vinny is right. If I did not make that fact clear enough on episode 12, that would be, uh, that would be definitely be an error. See what nitrox definitely does is that you, it is the, it's the same volume as your standard air. When, what I was saying, when you stay down longer, you don't have to worry about decompression stops. You can stay down longer and then come straight up instead of bringing the cage. If, if Hooper was on nitrox, he wouldn't have to bring the cage up to 30 feet for however many minutes and then 15 feet for our however many minutes that the dive tables would have uh, instructed him to do so. With nitrox, he can just come straight up, throw the other tank on, and then go right back down. There is no surface interval where you would have to wait for decompression. Vinny is right. If I did not make that, I did not, I did not mean that he could stay down like five hours compared to the regular air of three hours. Yes, that's not true. He, he could only stay down, you know, whatever depth he's at and whatever his breathing rate is at. So uh, that that's correct. But what the, the advantages of nitrox would mean that he would be in the water working and doing what he needs to do instead of worrying about what level or what depth he is at for the decompression stops. And he can make repeated dives. So that's what I meant by longer the, the, it's all one gigantic bottom time instead of having surface intervals. I remember when I first started this broadcast, I was saying that we wanted, or we were going to follow the the Navy officer tradition of be short, be brief, be good, be gone, and that's kind of what we aim to do here compared to other podcasts. We're not we're not going to give you an hour thirty, two hour, two hour of talking. We're going to try to get right to the facts, but in something like that with episode twelve. 
whoa, that was a lot of uh, information to throw in there to try to show you that Hooper was using a mixed gas system that is more volatile than regular air. So that's where you get the Jaws bomb effect. So thank you, Vinny, for writing in and and giving me a chance to clarify that for anyone that has been listening to episode 12. Next listener writes in, Stephen S. writes in, Hi, Ryan, big fan of the podcast and really looking forward to reading the book of Quint. I have many friends here in Scotland who are big Jaws fans, so I will certainly spread the word. Regards, Stephen S. Thanks, Steve, for writing in from Scotland. That's great. Who would have thought there's a lot of Jaws fans over in Scotland? And that's what's nice is that he's looking forward to reading the Book of Quint. So Stephen obviously found the Indiegogo campaign and uh, got in line for the book, which is great. Appreciate all the kind words. Thanks, Steve. Here we have an email from Edward out in San Francisco area. Ed writes in, well, sir, you have done the impossible. My wife has given me the married couple's universal sign of approval for purchasing your book. With a tremendous eye roll from her, I am now the proud purchaser of the Book of Quint, number 17 overall, the $45 autographed edition. And I'm only kidding about my wife. She is the most supportive person I've ever met. As I'm finding myself in my second full month of being on strike and facing my daughter's 13th birthday this week, money has been a little tight lately, but I can't let this go without being a part of it as I'm myself turned 50 last month, I have found that Jaws has been with me my entire life. Through all my ups and downs, it has remained constant. I'm always finding new parallels with my life and this wonderful piece of cinematic art and history. Just as Ellen Brody stood by the chief, my wife stands by me. Movie Ellen, not book Ellen. Ha ha ha. Can't wait till October, my friend. I hope you and we achieve everything you are asking for and more. Your pal, Edward. Ed, thanks very much for writing in. Ed, um, Ed has moved me uh, with a couple of his letters to the show here. Um, he recently went on strike, and um, his union was at odds with the company. He wrote me earlier where he said that listening to the Jaws Obsession every week kind of gave him something to look forward to because he really is, loves this movie. He actually was hoping that it didn't end at episode 20, and when I told him it wasn't going to end at episode 20, he was very excited. So he came back, and he's now saying that he's now in line for uh, the Book of Quint, and he's excited. It, that, that means a lot to me, because the fans of Jaws, I've always thought, have been overlooked in many ways for many, many years. This process of what we're all going through with... The Jaws obsession and the creation of the Book of Quint is something that I take very seriously. And from emails like this from Edward, I can see that it's resonating out there. And I'm very appreciative for letters like this to know that what I'm sending out is actually having a positive effect on the world out there. And that's all we can really do is just send positive energy out and hopefully everybody has a better day and ed thanks so much for writing in i'm glad you're in line for the book and i'm telling you you're not going to be disappointed we have something special coming into the jaws world i can really feel it also ed uh best of luck with the uh strike and i hope that everything comes to an agreement in your um and the uh, company and the union come to an agreement and you're allowed to get back to work uh, being in a union myself, I know the stress of that situation. I'm glad that I can uh, bring some sort of uh, positive influence at the time at this time. So hang in there, hang in there, Ed, and we're all going to be pulling for you. 
Okay, we have a Ryan H. also writes in. Hello, Ryan. That's a great Irish name. See, we us Ryans, we got to stick together. I appreciate all the work you've put in thus far and hope you keep up the research and dedication to, dedication to delivering the most accurate work you possibly can. I will definitely spread the word and hope that the goal of reaching the ears of those at Universal comes to fruition. As a Navy vet myself, thank you for your service with the Coast Guard. I know you've got a different perspective with time at sea. Again, thank you for the hard work and dedication to something that is so interesting and fascinating to so many. Ryan H. Thank you, Ryan, for writing in, and also thank you for your service with the United States Navy. I have not done a show, or I haven't really introduced myself. Um, I've kind of stayed somewhat anonymous through all of this because I didn't want to make the show about myself. But yes, I do believe there is a different perspective when you've spent time at sea And um, my time in the U.S. Coast Guard, when I was on the Coast Guard Cutter Polar Star, I did uh, one tour in Antarctica and uh, two in the North Pole, sailed across the Bering Sea four times. I've gone from one end of the planet to the other. And those experiences and um, those observations are influencing much of what I'm bringing, much of what that I'm writing into the Book of Quint. So... Um, thanks for noticing that, Ryan. Yes, and I am keeping up the research and I'm dedicated to delivering the most accurate work possible. That's another thing with the writing is the research, I started the research in June. Okay, so this is going to be two years. This is two years ago that I started the research phase of the Book of Quint. And even though I started the writing phase um, back in October of last year, the research phase never ends. Every time you get to a new chapter, there's still more research. Everything's going on. So I'm constantly making phone calls, talking to people, or reading up on different details to try to deliver a very accurate story. So thanks for writing in, Ryan. I do believe we're not going to disappoint with this. There's a letter from Kevin R. Good afternoon. I wanted to write and say how excited I am about your project. I just found your podcast last week, and I ripped through all 19 episodes. I will be honest and say that I fully expected to be disappointed when I listened to episode 20 and the big reveal. Nothing personal. It just seems like things rarely live up to the hype. I listened to episode 20 this morning on my way to work and I was beyond excited. What an amazing idea. I went on and ordered my book immediately. Number 18. I cannot wait to read the book and hope that Universal will step up and do the movie on the 50th anniversary of Jaws. It would be a perfect honoring of my favorite movie of all time. Jaws mesmerized me so much as a child that I would stay away from the drain during my baths as a kid. Thanks again for all your hard work on the podcast and your continued hard work on the book. And I am really looking forward to more episodes and the book in the fall. Kevin R. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for writing in. And isn't that interesting? It's like all of us have that Jaws mesmerized feeling when we were children. And we all have different details. And Kevin highlighted the drain during uh, baths as a kid because the drain probably made a lot of noise as my drain did as well. So that's what Jaws brings. That's why it's the greatest movie of all time. Jaws uh, binds us all together in different experiences in different ways, but it's just through that one movie that we so one person can have a different experience watching Jaws that's completely different from another. And it all depends on what type of person you are, what your upbringing was. Uh, it's just great. It, it's just, it really is cool. And so Kevin was able to, he found the podcast and he listened to all 19 episodes in one shot. How about that? Thank you very much for that's that's dedication. That's some time right there. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. And he wasn't disappointed with episode 20. I'm glad. 
I'm glad because episode I know we I know we built episode 20 up a lot. I really do believe that there is great things can happen. And I think great things are going to happen. I have a really good feeling about it. Next letter we have is from Adam D. Adam writes in, let's see here. Hello, I have just discovered the Jaws obsession. I wanted to thank you for creating a damn interesting and excellently produced podcast. Jaws is my favorite film of all time since I first saw it in 1982, age just six. I still love it and revisit it regularly. Thank you for doing the podcast. I look forward to hearing more. I first listened to your Quint's death episode, a brilliant scene, which was always, which has always disturbed me. What a great idea to interview a surgeon. All the best and keep up a great, the great work. I am now into episode two. Cheers from Sydney, Australia, Adam. Well, thanks, Adam. Thanks for writing in from down under Sydney, Australia. See, we have this, this just proves to you that the Jaws obsession is a global audience. Jaws is a global movie. It's around the world. And that is what's so interesting about this is that fans from around the world have been denied detailed analysis of their favorite movie. But it's in those details that you find more enjoyment. It brings a big smile to my face to read letters like this, like Adam sends in from Australia. Adam really liked episode 18, Quint's Death Explained. That's one of my favorite episodes as well. I've been to Sydney, Australia. We, we hit Sydney, Australia on a port call on our way down to Antarctica when I was on the icebreaker. And uh, what a beautiful city. What a beautiful city. What do I remember from that city? I remember the park. You, there's a park there. And there were gigantic vampire bats in the trees. And uh, I, it just rem- it reminded me of that um, scene in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom where, where she's looking up and she goes, wow, look at all the birds. And he goes, no, those are bats, vampire bats. And they're the giant vampire bats. But that's what the trees were all alive because these bats were living up inside of them. And they were kind of, it was in the middle of the day. So they weren't flying around. They were kind of just nesting there. What a cool city. Love Sydney, Australia. And the letters just keep on flowing. Let's get through all of these. You know, we have a couple more here. Oh, this this one was a this was a comment off. It was an Apple podcast review. Um, as you're you're listening to uh, whatever platform you're listening on, you can find it at jawsob.com over on the contacts page. You can see uh, there's a list of all the different platforms and you can go and find the platform that you most agree with uh, to listen to the show. Well, we have a, a big chunk of our listeners come from Spotify and another big chunk comes from Apple. Over at Apple, we had a user KKing9031 wrote in, said, I am obsessed with this podcast. One of the best podcasts out today. I look forward to a new episode every week. I am starting from episode one again today. I can't wait for my signed copy of the book to arrive. I highly suggest donating to this project. I would give 10 stars if I could. And they left a five-star review. Thank you very much, KKing9031. That's an excellent review. When you leave a five-star review like that, what what happens is, is that it bumps us up in the algorithm for the searches. So when someone looks up film history or Jaws for on all the podcasts come up for film history. Jaws Obsession would get kind of bumped up a little bit with the more five-star reviews. So if you like the show, throw on a five-star review if you're listening on the Apple podcast platform or whatever platform you're on. Just go right down there and click the little the five stars or the thumbs up or whatever it does to show that you like the like the broadcast because that helps. That helps a lot. So thank you very much, KKing9031. 
excellent review. Uh, one more email just came in today, uh, right before I did the show here. Uh, this was from Kyle N. Let's see here. Kyle writes in, hello, love all you're doing. My name is Kyle and I'm a big fan of the Jaws universe. I enjoy everything Jaws related. I can't wait for my signed copy of the book. A suggestion for a podcast episode, Song History of Show Me the Way to Go Home. It's a great song that I find stuck in my head often. It has a lengthy history as well, television, movies, literature, football, and theme parks. I look forward to the weekly show. Thank you for your time. Have a great weekend. Thanks for writing in, Kyle. Yes, that's, you know what? That's a great suggestion. I'm going to put that on the list. I mean, why not? Why, why not? Why can't we just do a deep dive into Show Me the Way to Go Home and see exactly what the, um, would there be uh What's interesting is that all three of the men knew the words to show me the way to go home. So it, it, it does have a history. And can that tell us a little bit? Can that lead to more clues about our three heroes in Jaws? So yes, let's put that on the list. And we're going to get to that. Uh, show me the way to let's do a show me the way to go home episode. Great suggestion. And also Kyle found Indiegogo.com, um, JawsOB.com. And he was able to uh, look at the links there and visit the campaign page. And that does it for the listener emails. I'm glad we could get all those out in one shot. And so now let's move on. Let's move on to what we are all here for. Can we tell how old Quint is? Let's just see. Can we, can we pinpoint Quint's age using clues in the movie Jaws? Now remember, Jaws, it, what's in the movie Jaws is what is considered the Jaws universe. So that's ground zero. There were so many different versions of the screenplay. Obviously, there was a lot of differences from the book that Peter Benchley wrote. So in order to tackle the story of Quint, I had to lock down and say, this is what we're going to do, Jaws. We're just going to focus on the movie Jaws. And any of the clues that are in the movie Jaws, we are going to take that. We're going to create a Quint backstory. So is it possible to pinpoint Quint's age? And I think we were able to do that. Anyone have their hands up? Does anyone know exactly what the one line, there's one line in the movie that can help us draw a picture into Quint's upbringing and his childhood, but also at the same time, let us pinpoint his age. Does anyone know? Okay, let's get to that. I'm going to play that right now here. Jesus H. Christ. When I was a boy, every little squirrel wanted to be a harpooner or a sword fisherman. And he got here. Portable shower or a monkey cage? Anti-shark cage. Anti-shark cage. So that one line right there. When I was a boy, every little squirrel wanted to be a harpooner or a sword fisherman. That gives us a lot of details in that one line into the backstory of Quint. One of the things we have to talk about is Quint's accent. Quint's accent does not match the other islanders in the movie Jaws. So, and I don't want to get, we're going to have another episode on what really makes an islander in the movie Jaws. By 1974, Amity Island has many people that are transient islanders. They might have been born there, but they don't live there full time. So they go back and forth, kind of like uh, the, the, the boy at the beginning, Cassidy. When him and Brody are having a discussion, he says, oh, I'm an islander. And then he's talking about where his folks are from. The fact is, is that he's not going to have an Amity accent quite like the Islander, uh, like Ben Gardner does. Ben Gardner lives on the island year round, the big fisherman there. What happens is, is that Quint's accent is different from everybody else in the movie. So he is not an Islander per se. He's been living on Amity for 
a while. But that doesn't mean he was born and raised on Amity because he speaks in a different accent than anyone else, even the Islanders like Bad Hat Harry. So there, there, there are Islanders in the movie. They do not sound quite like Quint. So we have to assume that Quint, from his accent alone, did not grow up on Amity. What we can tell is from that line, when I was a boy, every little squirt wanted to be a harpooner or a sword fisherman. We have to dissect that. Let's dissect every little squirt wanted to be a harpooner or a sword fisherman. So a harpooner, the harpooner he's talking about is actually a harpooner of a whaling ship. What he's telling us now is every little kid went around and was wanted to be a harpooner or a sword fisherman. The people that made the most money in this village that he grew up in or in this area where you were, either, you were either a harpooner or you were a sword fisherman. Now, sword fishermen, even today, still make big, big money. If you watch some of those reality series where the uh, they go out and they hook these big, these gigantic swordfish and these marlin, and they bring them on, and you could see how valuable that meat is, how valuable that type of fish is. So they make a lot of money. So obviously a sword fisherman back then made a lot of money. The other person that made a lot of money would have been the harpooner of a whaling fleet or the the star harpooner. See what the if you read Herman Melville's Moby Dick, the harpooner, the harpooners are talked about like they are almost like the elite athletes of the ship. And in I remember in chapter 18, it's called The Mark where the harpooner Queequeg, he demonstrates how he can hit a spot with his harpoon and he kind of carries his harpoon everywhere. And he's really good at nailing an accuracy by throwing this harpoon. And when he demonstrates this for the two owners of the ship, they, they hire him and they, they, they give him a higher percentage of the money the ship makes over all the other crew. So they, that's the, when you have a good harpooner, when you have a, a, an all-star harpooner, they make really more money than everyone else in the crew because they're the ones that are going to fire that harpoon accurately in the high seas. They get right up on the nose of the small boat where the, everyone, the guys are rowing it after the whale, and they, can, they have perfect balance. And in the balance, they're able to throw the harpoon and nail their mark. So they're very valuable to the whaling ship itself. So what I wanted to dive into is if if he's telling us that as as they were kids, as Quint was a kid, they all looked up to the harpooners and the sword fishermen. Obviously, these were the guys that were the uh, the harpooner would have been like the all star quarterback of the team. The sword fisherman is the same way he would have been the guy that had the fancier boat. He had the more money coming in over the, the lobster fisherman, let's say. Just saying when I was a boy, what we have to think is that would be from age one to 10 years old. Anything older, maybe you can even push into the 11, 12 years old. But once you're 13, you don't necessarily say when I was a boy, that would be when I was a teenager. So we have to, he's recalling a time when the kids or the boys in the area that Quint grew up in would run around and idolize or look up to the harpooners and the sword fishermen. They would be fishing, uh, pretending they're hauling in a, a world-class swordfish catch, or they might be taking play harpoons on the beach and throwing them at targets. 
trying to pretend they are the stories of what they are hearing from the, the, the ships coming back into port. That is what he's recalling. It would be similar, it would be a similar situation to the kids in modern day, uh, uh, kids trying to be uh, an athlete they saw in a sport, uh, a soccer game or basketball game, and Quinn is recalling his childhood. So clearly it's from a seafaring community that Quint can't hail from other areas of the country or even from Canada or from up north or from the west or midwest or even out far west because he has to hail from a seafaring community that was deeply rooted in the whaling industry. So we have to look at the areas of where where would Quint have grown up where whaling was still viable. So what I did was I cross-referenced that. Where would whaling have still been going on? So if you look at I, what I did was I cross-referenced it with the decline of whaling in the New England era for 100 years. From 1820 to 1920, New England, there was, there was a lot of whaling going on in New England. It was how they, there was a lot of money, big industry. There was a lot of ships going out, and the whaling industry was at its height. After 1900, it started to decline. So the New England whaling declined due to mid-19th century industrial revolution and the increased use of alternative fluids like coal, oil, and turpentine. By 1895, the New England whaling fleet had dwindled to 51 vessels with only four ports regularly sending out ships. They were New Bedford, Massachusetts, Provincetown, Massachusetts, San Francisco out west, and then uh, San Francisco, California, and then Boston, Massachusetts. Boston left the trade in 1903, with San Francisco leaving in 1921. And Provincetown's last ship was 1918. Between 1918 and 1920 was the last ship to leave out of there. So only New Bedford continued on into the trade, sending out its last whaler, the John R. Mantra, in 1927. If Quint was a boy between 1917 and 1927, so he was 10 years old. If he was born in 1917, and 19, uh, by the time he was, there would still have been whaling up until 1920 in Provincetown, Massachusetts. So he, he would have been three. And then the last, uh, there was still whaling going on in New Bedford, Massachusetts, which is the south, uh, the southern coast of Massachusetts. That goes on until 1927. If Quint was born on 1917, then he would have been 10 years old by the time the last, uh, the last whaler left New Bedford, Massachusetts in 1927. That was the ship John R. Mantra. This is the most likely age for Quint would have been he was born in 1917 for him to say when I was a boy every little squirt wanted to be a harpooner or a sword fisherman. So what I kind of deduced from all this was Quint was born in 1917 and he lived between New Bedford, Massachusetts into the Cape Cod Peninsula where Provincetown is right at the end. So somewhere in that region is where Quint was born and raised and then he all the boys there in that coastal town would have looked up to the harpooners and the sword fishermen they saw leaving out of their area. Their, that area. It could very well have been New Bedford, Massachusetts. That's why his accent is more has a, a heavier New England feel to it than it does the Islanders of Amity. This also puts Quint at age 27 during the sinking of the Indianapolis in 1945. Now that actually adds up because I don't believe Quint 
was a junior guy on that on the Indianapolis. He was he did have some rank, but he wasn't he wasn't one of the old men, right? So he was young enough that age 27 seems possible. So if he was born in 1917, that means he was 27 in 1945. And then if you fast forward all the way to 1974, when we meet him in the movie Jaws, he is 57 years old. So my best educated guess is that Quint is 57 years old in the movie Jaws. That shows you how the details that we we work out for the Jaws obsession here how I'm incorporating that into the book of Quint to make this the most realistic portrayal and to give the most realistic details so we can all enjoy the movie Jaws better. So just to recap, the last town on New Bedford, Massachusetts was continued in the whaling trade and that was up until 1927. So if Quint was born in 1917, that would have given him 10 years to be around um, the whalers and the sword fishermen for him to make that statement, that one line that he did in Jaws when he's talking to Hooper. When I was a boy, every little squirrel wanted to be a harpooner or a sword fisherman. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. I had a So what do you think? That's pretty cool, huh? I always like that. I, I always like when things work out like that, when you kind of find little details and actually uh, come up with ages like that. The movie Jaws is copyrighted property of Universal Studios. Any references and sampling from the movie Jaws in this episode is intended to fall within Section 107 of the Copyright Act. The copyrighted materials are fairly used for the purposes of criticism, comment, reporting, teaching, and research. The materials used here are protected by the Fair Use Guidelines of Section 107 of the Copyright Act, all rights reserved to the copyright owners. Thank you very much for all the support and for all the emails. I can't begin to describe how um, that is so important to what uh, we're trying to do here. And um, it's great to read them. So keep them flowing. Keep them coming in. Uh, keep the comments coming on whatever platform you're listening to. You can reach me here at JawsOB2025 at gmail.com jawsob.com don't forget to check out our show notes over at the telegram or discord servers you can find those contacts on the contact page thank you very much for listening until next week farewell and adieu and show me the way to go home